If any of you happened to be at the 8 or the 10 last week, what you're about to hear will probably sound familiar to you. However, if you remember what I spoke about last week, I'm sure you'll agree that it was a message that the whole parish needs to hear. So if this is round two for you, thank you for patiently sitting through material you've already heard. And I just ask you to be open to the possibility that maybe God has a reason why he wants you to hear it a second time. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at a meeting of a certain group in our parish. This group is made up mostly of parishioners, but there are also a few non-parishioners in it. Toward the end of the meeting, one man in the group raised his hand to ask a question, and the question he asked kind of took me aback. He said, Father, why don't you priests ever talk about spiritual warfare in your homilies? Now, this man was not from our parish, so I said to him, well, I don't know about the priests in your parish, but I talk about spiritual warfare in my homilies. And this good man, in his humility, accepted that answer. But to be perfectly honest, I have to admit that over the last few weeks, I've been thinking a lot about his question. And I've been asking myself, do I speak about spiritual warfare in my homilies? Do I speak about it enough? When I do speak about it, is it clear to all of you that it's spiritual warfare that I'm talking about? And then when I read today's gospel, where it says that they brought to Jesus all who were possessed and that he drove out many demons, I took that as a sign that I should probably do again this Sunday what that man at that meeting wants priests to do more often. So I'm gonna to talk to you today about spiritual warfare. And once I give this homily, nobody can ever say again that the priests at Sacred Heart and St. Patrick's don't talk about spiritual warfare. So, in the book of Job, which was our first reading today, it says that the life of man on earth is warfare. From the moment we're born to the moment we die, we live in the midst of a spiritual battle. The main enemy in the battle is the devil and his demons. We've all seen the cartoon of the person with the little white angel on one shoulder and the little red devil on the other shoulder. We usually think of that as a metaphor for what happens when we're tempted to eat chocolate cake. But the Catholic Church sees that image as much, much more than a cute metaphor for temptation. The Church teaches that the world is full of angels and demons. They're all around us, they're engaged in a serious game of tug of war, and each of our souls is the rope that they're fighting over. The angels are constantly trying to help us to be holy and to do God's will and to go to heaven, and the demons are constantly trying to get us to sin and to turn away from God, and their ultimate goal is to drag us to hell. We can't see them, but they're really there, and there are many of them. Padre Pio, who had the gift of actually being able to see angels and demons with his own eyes, used to say that there are so many demons at work in the world that if each one were to assume a body as small as a grain of sand, they would block out the sun. 
Our whole life long, we're under attack by the devil and his demons. And we have to join with the angels in fighting against them if we want Jesus to win the battle for our souls. If you want to read the most famous passage from the Bible that talks about spiritual warfare and angels and demons, you can find it in chapter 6 of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you open Ephesians 6 at home, you'll find that St. Paul says, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, powers, and with the evil spirits in the heavens. Now, how exactly do the devil and his demons attack us in the spiritual battle? Well, there is one ordinary way that they attack us and four extraordinary ways. The ordinary way that the devil and his demons attack us is through temptation. Everybody on earth, from the Pope on down to the lowliest Catholic, goes through temptation to sin. Nobody's exempt from it. That's the ordinary way that the devil attacks us, temptation. Then there are the extraordinary ways that the devil attacks us. Some people, though not everyone, go through these attacks. The first extraordinary way is called oppression, where demons physically attack people through actions like beating, scratching, choking, or pushing. Many great saints experience demonic oppression. Thankfully, the Bible and the church teach that the harm that the devil does through oppression is never permanent, and the devil does not have the power to kill anyone. The second extraordinary way that the demons attack us is through something called obsession, which is where the demons attack our minds. They do this through obsessive and intrusive thoughts, very often about harming ourselves or harming other people. The third extraordinary way is called infestation, where the devil or his demons take possession of a physical object or place. Many so-called haunted houses are actually infested houses. They're not occupied by ghosts of people who have died, but by evil spirits who try to instill fear by making loud noises, making things fall down, slamming doors. That's infestation. And the fourth extraordinary way that the devil and his demons work on us is through possession. This is the most extreme method of attack. In possession, a demon or multiple demons take over a person's body. They don't take over a person's soul, only their body, and they can't leave until a priest authorized by a bishop performs an exorcism. Today's gospel is all about possessed people on whom Jesus performs exorcisms, and his priests of his Catholic Church are still doing it today. Possession is real. It's not just the stuff of Hollywood movies. And if anyone doesn't believe in it, just ask any priest who's been involved in an exorcism and he can tell you stories that will turn you into a believer real fast. So these are the ways that the evil spirits try to attack us in life. The ordinary way is through temptation and the extraordinary ways are oppression, obsession, infestation, and possession. Now, as heavy as all of that sounds, there's actually no need to worry about anything I just explained. God wants us to go through life aware of evil spirits and their activity, but not anxious about it, because anxiety has no place in the life of a Christian. 
Jesus has already conquered the devil on the cross, and the devil and his demons cannot do anything without God's permission. And as Catholics, we are so blessed to have all the weapons we need to defeat the devil and his demons at work in our lives. Over the last 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has been accumulating an arsenal of weapons and tactics to help us claim victory in spiritual warfare. All you have to do is use them, and Jesus will win the battle for your soul. It's that easy. So what I want to do with the minutes we have left is to tell you about some of these weapons and tactics. I'm gonna briefly name seven of them, starting with the seventh and moving up to the first. And I just want you to make a mental note in your heads as you listen of the ones you're using and the ones you're not yet using in your own life of spiritual warfare. So number seven, stop doing anything you might be doing that could be inviting evil spirits into your life. Stop doing anything you might be doing that could be inviting evil spirits into your life. Demons need an invitation to enter into our lives. They need an open door into our souls. And the two greatest open doors are involvement in the occult and habitual mortal sin. Involvement in the occult would be things like visiting psychics or mediums, having your palm read, going to a seance, engaging in witchcraft or Wicca, and obviously any form of Satanism. Even when we do these things just for fun, they are still open doors to the devil. The vast majority of people who end up possessed do so because first they were dabbling in the occult. If you remember the opening scene of the movie, The Exorcist, what was the little girl doing? Playing with a Ouija board. It's a true story, it was a boy and let a girl, the devil came through a Ouija board. Habitual sin is also an open door to the devil. We all sin out of weakness from time to time, but to persist in mortal sins like promiscuity, adultery, pornography, cohabitation, drugs, or domestic abuse, opens the door of our souls to the devil. If we're really serious about being free from evil, we need to stop all involvement in the occult and all habitual mortal sin and close the doors of our souls once and for all to evil. Number six, we need to cleanse our homes of anything that could be inviting demons in. Things like Ouija boards, tarot cards, new age crystals, pagan symbols, good luck charms, and books about the occult. Keeping things like that in your house is like putting a welcome mat to the devil on your front step. If you have anything like that in your house, put it in a bag, break it, and throw it in a dumpster. Then have a priest come and bless your home. And even if you don't have evil objects in your house, but serious sin once happened in your house, such as abuse, murder, or suicide, always, always have a priest bless your house. And once you do that, put up a crucifix in your home. That's a cross with Jesus' body on it. Put up at least one crucifix, ideally one in every bedroom, because the devil can't stand the sight of a crucifix. Also, keep holy water in your house and use it often. We need to make sure that our homes are protected and that nothing in our homes is inviting evil into our lives. Number five, once you've taken care of your house, 
Never leave your house without wearing some blessed object on your person. Mary has said many times at Medjugorje that everyone should wear some blessed object on their person to show the devil that we belong to Jesus and that he's not welcome to come near to us. Some of the most powerful blessed objects that we can wear are a crucifix, a miraculous medal, a St. Benedict's medal, and a scapular, especially when they're blessed by a priest. Personally, I wear all four of those just to be extra safe. <laughs> we should always have at least one blessed object on us at all times so that Satan knows to whom we belong. And while we're on the topic, I gotta say this, true Christians never wear an Italian horn or an eye against the evil eye. I might get angry letters, I'm okay with that. As St. Paul says in the second reading, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. An Italian horn or an evil eye amulet are objects of superstition, and wearing them is a sin against the first commandment. So if you wear either one of them, take them off, throw them away, make an act of contrition, and ask a priest for a blessing. Number four, play Christian praise and worship music. Play Christian praise and worship music. Play it at home, play it in your car. If you're allowed to, play it at work. Even if you like other types of music better, Play Christian praise and worship music as often as you can. The devil can't stand the sound of Jesus being praised. He flees from any place where he hears Jesus being praised. I knew a woman who was convinced that her new house was infested because of a tragic event that had happened in the house before she bought it. She tried to get a priest to come bless her house, but no priests were available. So you know what she did? She went out to Walmart and she bought several CDs of Christian praise and worship music, and she played them in a CD player around the clock. And you know that in 72 hours, all of the disturbances in her home stopped. Whatever was there couldn't stand the sound of Jesus being praised. So play Christian praise and worship music, and why not sing along too? Number three, pray the rosary. You've probably seen a statue at some point in your life of the Blessed Virgin Mary with, a foot, with her foot on a snake. That represents Mary's power over the devil. The devil's no match for Our Lady. Exorcists say that when Mary shows up at an exorcism, they know it's about to end. The greatest way to obtain the protection of Mary is by praying the rosary. Father Gabriel Amorth, the chief exorcist of Rome under Pope John Paul II, used to say that every Hail Mary is like a blow to the devil's head. Well, there are 53 Hail Marys on every rosary. Pray the rosary every day from the heart, and you will have the powerful protection of the Mother of God with you against the ancient serpent. Number two, go to confession frequently. Very few weapons are as powerful in the fight against Satan as frequent confession. Every time we go to confession, we throw the devil out on his ear. It's frequently said, and it's true, that one confession is more powerful than a hundred exorcisms. If you've ever seen the movie The Greatest Miracle, you may remember all the red demons in the church congregating around the confessional. They stay there doing everything they can to prevent people from going in because they know that once a person goes to confession, they've lost that person. Go to confession at least once a month and you'll keep the devil far, far away from you. And number one, 
Cling to the Eucharist. Stay as close as possible to the Eucharist. Receive the Eucharist as often as possible, even more than once a week if you can, and spend time in Eucharistic adoration. If demons are like icicles that form on our souls, the Eucharist is like the sun. It melts the demons. One of the first ways that a priest knows that a person is possessed is that they can't look at the Eucharist. A truly possessed person can't look at a tabernacle or a ciborium with the Eucharist inside. They avert their eyes and they put their head down because the devil hates the Eucharist because he knows it's really Jesus. And the more we receive the Eucharist and the more time we spend in adoration of the Eucharist, the stronger we become against the devil. St. John Bosco once had a vision in which he saw confession as a hammer and the Eucharist as an anvil. And the hammer of confession was smashing Satan against the anvil of the Eucharist. It should be no wonder that as more and more Catholics drift away from mass and confession, demonic activity in the world goes up, it increases. Because there's a direct correlation between how often Catholics go to confession and mass and receive the Eucharist and the amount of demonic activity in our families and our communities and in the world. But when we repent of our sins, when we come and gather as a community for mass like we're doing right now and praise God all together, we receive the Eucharist with clean souls and the state of grace and with faith, Jesus comes into our lives more powerfully. He comes into our families, into our communities, into the world and the devil loses his grip over us. Okay, so to recap, the seven most powerful things that we can do to win the battle against evil in our lives are to stop doing anything that's opening the door of our souls to evil, to get rid of anything in our homes that's opening the door to evil, and to have our homes blessed, to always wear a blessed object on our person, to play praise and worship music, as often as possible, to pray the rosary, to go to confession as often as possible, and to stay as close as possible to the Eucharist. If every Catholic in the world just did those seven things, the devil wouldn't be able to touch us or our church or our families. Are you doing all seven of those things? If not, what do you have to do to add to your life whichever ones you're not doing right now? Many people think that life on earth is a voyage on a cruise ship, but it's not. It's a voyage on a battleship. There's a war raging all around us for our souls, but we need not be afraid. Jesus has already won the war and he's given us all the tools we need to win the battles along the way. Pick up the weapons that Jesus has given us, use them with faith, and you can be absolutely certain that at the end of your life, Jesus Christ will claim the victory for your soul.